Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. On RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Welcome everybody to a very warm and sunny Algarve International Circuit on the south coast of Portugal. This uh, fabulous venue which is now celebrating its 11th year in existence. Got a good history in ACO rules racing and returned to this uh, venue what, a couple of years ago after ending our ELMS seasons at Estoril to that point. It's a kind of similar nature, a little bit like Barcelona as well, but neither Estoril nor Barcelona quite have the uh, elevation change that this place boasts. And it's the European Le Mans Series final event, round six then, after visits already to Paul Ricard, Monza, Barcelona, Silverstone and Spa Francorchamps last month. Welcome along, my name's Johnny Palmer, joined by Graham Goodwin, as always, sitting to my right. And we have three doses of qualifying to look ahead to each of 10 minutes. First of all, it's the GTEs. Yummy. Uh, 10 minutes for the GTEs. And this really matters uh, both for qualifying and for the race tomorrow. Johnny, there is uh, the championship we know has gone already. The second place in the championship matters almost as much for the teams that would like to take that uh, up that invitation that comes with the second place to the 2020 and 124 hours. And we have the return of not just one, not just two, but three Porsches for this weekend. It is eight cars on this GTE grid. It is five against three Ferraris against the Porsches, including the spectacularly coloured uh, pair of Kessel racing cars. It got stronger and stronger through this season. The number 83 car, the all-female crewed car uh, with a couple of spectacular performances this year. Number 60 car, uh, a little less consistent, certainly, but we've seen, again, some very good performances. One of them was last time out until uh, trouble actually hit the, the number 60. There is the overhead shot of this spectacular circuit de Algarve. And that doesn't really tell the whole story here of the elevation change that really characterizes this fantastic, uh, this fantastic um, place for racing endurance cars. So, yes, a few extras. Uh joining the party, if you like. Uh, as Graham's mentioned, the championship leaders, i.e. winners, uh, are Lusik Racing. 26 points still on the table, but they are 27 points ahead of everybody, so they are have an unassailable lead. However, the next four teams are all within the next 25-point bracket, 26-point bracket, in fact. So that means that there is a possibility of finishing second in the championship for the 77 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche, the 83 Kessel Racing Ferrari, the JNW Motorsport Ferrari, and indeed the 55 Spirit of Race Ferrari of Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin and Aaron Scott. There's also 
extra success ballast to think about and this is based on three different factors where you sit in the championship currently if you're in the top three you will carry weight where you finished in the previous round at Spa-Francorchamps and where you finished two rounds ago at Silverstone the maximum you can carry is 45 kilos we haven't got any cars quite that heavy the heaviest unsurprisingly is the championship leader Lusik Racing championship winners they're on 30 kilos but it kind of doesn't matter because they've already got enough points Absolutely. and have won the championship. Um, next heaviest will be the 77 car. They've got 20 kilos, the Porsche. Two on 15 kilos, 83 Kessel Racing for Manuel Agosna, Rahel Fry and Michel Gatting. Also with 15 kilos, the 88 car, because remember they won at Silverstone, so get 15 kilos for that. And there are two cars on five, the 55 and the 60. So the only cars running at base weight are the JMW Motorsport Ferrari, which is one of the teams that could finish second in the championship, yep. bear in mind. The other base weight car is Ebi Motors of Italy, returning with their number 80 car. So of the, of the eight entries, six of them carry weight of some description. And the front of the queue, the much sought after front uh, position with the blue door mirrors is car 77 to be driven by Christian Reed is showing, however, that may change as the cars join the session. My money would be on Matteo Cairoli, but we will wait and see. So four cars in contention for that second place in the championship, and uh, all of them will be keen to do what they can to grab the first point of the weekend. And the 77 car is Christian Reed to qualify it. Thomas Prining in the 88. We've got Manuel Gosner. No, that's changed to Kai Rowley now, the 77 car. It did still read because Christian Reed, despite the car being on track. But Matteo Kai Rowley at the wheel of the 77 and also at the front of the queue. Um, the other thing that's just struck my attention is the fact that these cars are all on Dunlop tyres. They are. And what's the story about Dunlop this weekend? Well, this, for the time being at least, may very well be the last time we see an LMS race featuring the Dunlop brand. Expecting some news very imminently uh, about what's going to happen officially. Of course, Goodyear are a presence very much in the World Endurance Championship this year. It's also been announced that in the UK, the British Touring Car Championship, having had the last few seasons on Dunlop tyres, they will be Goodyear as well. So there is a natural trend that I've spotted here, a pattern. Well, um, I think, I think there's, there's, there's lots to explain, and it's probably not the moment indeed. quite to do it, but it's to do with what is Goodyear, what is Dunlop, what is a company, what is a brand. Yes. Uh, but Goodyear certainly is where the colours are going to be fastened for the ELMS and the F1 World Endurance Championship uh, for the future. Clearly, investment's got into the WEC. will continue through for the ELMS. But uh, what a story Dunlop have given us down through the years in this European Le Mans series. There goes the 77 car. Just run through the runners and riders here, and they are significant runners and riders. Luzic Racing's 51 has got ex-FIWC uh, Drives World Champion in GTs, Alessandro Pierguidi, Matt Griffin, Terry Griffoni in the 55 Spirit of Race Ferrari, Kessel Racing, the Rapid Andrea Piccini, Jeff Siegel is aboard the number 66 GMW Motorsports, Matteo Caroni, Porsche Junior driver in the 77 Femsa Proton car, he is attacking this track as normally he would. Marco Fretta is in the number 80 uh, EP Motors car. Michel Gatting, it is aboard the 83 Kessel Racing car. And Thomas Brining, and the Porsche Junior driver, of course, in the number 88 Proton car. They are the eight drivers that will give us the next seven and a half minutes of 
wild entertainment as they try to squeeze what they can from these GTE cars. And Thomas Prining with two new teammates this weekend, although uh, Adrian Delina, of course, have raced uh, many a GTE car in the past. Stefan Gurig also joining uh, Proton Competition this weekend. But Thomas, a winner at Silverstone in the 88 car with different co-drivers, one of them, Jean-Luc Giraudi, who is racing for EB Motors today, maybe tomorrow, qualifying, uh, looking forward to qualifying today, I'm sure, for the Italian, 50 years old. An all-Italian lineup, therefore, for Car 80, joining Fabio Babini and Marco Frezza, who is at the wheel. Uh, watching uh, both outside and now on board with Matteo Caroli, who's attacking this track as if he was beating it with a stick. It's fantastic stuff at the moment. Kerr popping all the way around. This is a full-blooded attempt to try to grab provisional pole position. Caroli comes through, goes to the top because he's the first man to have posted a lap time, uh, 141-121, nine tenths of a second clear of Michel Gatting. That becomes five tenths of a second, of, uh, a second clear of Thomas Brining. So 141-121 is the... What, that was one of the um, one of the Kessel cars, wasn't it? It was either the 60 or the 83. I didn't quite catch the number. Jeff Siegel, by the way, is on a quick lap here as well. He's set the fastest first sector of this session so far, yet to come round complete. Comes along the wing straight now, and how quick is this going to be for 66 car? Third quickest for Jeff Siegel to Cairoli from Pranning from Siegel, Alessandro Piergrini. And we will say right this second while we're aboard the 66 car, get well, Jade Hagger, daughter of Steve Hagger, the long-time team manager at uh, JMW. Yeah, some struggles right now, Jade, we're all with you. And uh, as are the pink stickers on a number of cars this weekend. Absolutely, that many teams have adopted in support of Jade, so we wish you well, Jade, in the coming weeks and months. And uh, many, many people thinking of you around the paddock. The, by the way, the, the 66 car, great success here last year, yes, in the 2018 running of the Algarve International Circuit because they took pole position in the qualifying session. Miguel Molina setting the time, who was joined in 2018 by Liam Griffin and Alex McDowell, those with good memories will recall. So Ferrari on pole here last year. Is it going to be Porsche or Ferrari this time around? Ferrari slightly more numerous, five prancing horses, versus three cars with the flat six four-litre engine. Seemed like a late call for uh, Matteo Caroli and for Thomas Brining to dive into the pits after just a single flying lap set. In fact, on that lap to dive into the pits, set a fastest middle sector, Caroli, so he was not hanging around. Certainly not, and, well, done enough work so far. Half a second is the cushion, much larger than the gap from second to third, and this is looking very nice indeed for Dempsey Proton Racing slash Proton Competition, because they're locking out the front row of GTE at this stage. So, majority of the cars are pitting after that single lap run. EV Motors do not join them, crack on through. Michael Petzer at the moment drops up the order and is not going to improve there. So it's just over a two-second spread, but almost uh, half of that spread accounted for by the Ubino just gone. Michael Petzer is doing what he can to find the quickest way around here. Glorious wailing. 
Nine eleven RSR. It's the fifty one car. Does its racing. Pierre Greedy, new boots on, as does Matt Griffin in the 55 car, who, by the way, is the first man to have been penalised a lap for track limits back aboard the 66 car. If Siegel carries on his efforts. Now, Andrea Pacini, the first of the Kessel cars to pit, does that suggest it was him having that wild old moment a few laps ago and perhaps flat spotting the tyres? And wanting a new set of Dunlops. Remember that tyres are heavily restricted uh, this whole weekend, and it's the same tyre allocation that takes in the race and qualifying. So you don't want to burn through the rubber too readily in this short, sharp qualifying session and wreck tyres potentially for the race. So stickered tyres going on to the 83 car. Special Gatting. But again, I think they want to really restrict it to just a one-lap run. Well, an out-lap and then a quick-lap and then rein it back so that the tyre wear is at a real minimum. It's going to have to be pretty quick. It is just two and a half minutes to go in the session. It's going to be tight for Michel Gatting. In comes, I think. No. Making way down to complete the lap. But, uh, now, what can he do here? It's a quicker lap time for him here. Uh, much quicker. 143.228 it was. Sorry, it stays as 143.228. Oh, no improvement, but did he have a time deleted? The last car to have a time deleted was 55 at the Spirit of Race entry for Matt Griffin. He had lap three deleted because of a breach at turn five. That will have been the exit of that tricky left-hander that takes you on the long straight that past the rotunda. He shaved ten side, uh, turned to look at the timing screen away from the uh, screen to miss the previous lap time, but it was just a couple of tens quicker. And... This has been a rapid-fire effort by everybody. They are going to get one more crack at this. And Matteo Caroli immediately responds with a purple sector in the first sector. Piccini's quick in the first sector as well. But despite having 20 kilos extra weight for company, Matteo Cairoli making everyone else look pretty average right now. Half a second is the advantage over Thomas Prining, who also carries a bit of weight, 15 kilos compared to 20. And almost matches that uh, purple sector time in sector one. So sector two here is going to be interesting. Goes purple for Matteo Cairoli, where, when we see Thomas Prining come through, is he going to be almost matched, by the way, by Puccini. Puccini's not far off here. And Alessandro Pierguidi snatches the absolute best sector one time as well. And that car's 30 kilos. This is going to be very tight at the end of this session. At the moment, the top four cars, six cars, separated by just over eight tenths of a second. I suspect that's going to get a lot tighter. Just about everybody out on track has a little bit of space as well now. I know that's relatively easy for just eight cars in the class, but one or two just got bottled up behind others in the opening few minutes. And Caroli's going to get another crack at this. As is the 60 of Alessandro Piccini, who goes to second position. So Andrea Piccini makes it now a Porsche slash Ferrari front row in the 60 car, gaining places. That demotes, uh, as I say that, Piccini is beaten again by Thomas Prining for Proton Competition. So we're back to two Porsches now. As the chequered flag is out, 55 didn't get the flag either. The first car to receive it will be this car, number 51. So the top three in the order all get another lap here. And Matteo Caroli responds with the quickest first sector of the session so far. Pierre Guidi will not improve. He will stay fourth and no better. JMW fifth and no better. 
but behind, uh, ahead of them on the order, it is a battle royal between Caroli and Freining, with Puccini not that much further back. Referee's again struggling to get pace, qualifying pace out of that car. That might be to do with the setup um, for that car favouring Duncan Cameron. 83, Michelle Gatting then uh, relatively late back out into the session, but did squeeze this extra lap on fresh tyres, and she has put in a personal best through the middle sector. That's a quick time coming as well for Michelle Gatting. I don't think it's quite pole time, but it's not a million miles short. It is the top seven cars now separated by just over eight tenths of a second. Just Fretzer in the EV Motors car off the back of that train. Here comes Michelle then across the line, currently in sixth and will stay in sixth position. So behind her, Matt Griffin in 55, Marco Frezza has pitted. I thought the 80 car had backed off, also pitting Matteo Cairoli. So we're not going to see how good his time might have been. Still waiting for Alessandro Pierguidi was never going to improve because he'd already seen the flag. Matt Griffin, the only car now to head across the line, and he's not electric on this lap, it no. has to be said. But I think that's pretty much all the positions cemented now with a pole position for Matteo Cairoli, which he set very early on. But Thomas Priming ran him close, just 12 hundredths of a second separate the two Porsches. It was eight tenths of a second from the top seven. Uh, it was Michelle Gatting, I think, went ahead of Matt Griffin uh, with that lap. I think they did swap places there. So it didn't quite get a light in that last uh, that last flying lap, but there was certainly plenty of sign that it might have done. Top three within a tenth and a half. Cairoli, Prining and Puccini. But Cairoli has been the qualification specialist this year. Amazingly, for a team that has won the championship, Lusik Racing, not had a pole all year. Uh, despite Alessandro Pierguidi's best efforts. But that is a fourth pole for the season for Dempsey Proton Racing and gives them an extra point. So they'll move to 76 now. And therefore, that will be a gap of eight points over Kessel Racing, the 83 car, and a point better off than everybody else in that second place fight. And we'll concentrate on the second place fight all race long tomorrow because there is another automatic entry for the Le Mans 24 hours next year riding on it. This is how they'll start for the final race of the year, the four hours of Portimao. Uh, it's the 77 Dempsey Proton Racing car taking a dominant or dominant mid-session, less dominant right at the end because of Thomas Brining whittling the gap down to point one two zero of a second. But it's Dempsey Proton Racing from Proton Competition, essentially the same team. Kessel Racing, Andrea Pacini putting that spin behind him very quickly, nets third place on the grid ahead of Championship winners, Lusik Racing, 66 JMW Motorsport in that second place fight will start fifth ahead of another team also involved in that squabble, 83 Kessel Racing. Racing. Well done to Michelle Gatting for that time. Matt Griffin finishing seventh in car 55. They're also with an outside chance of bagging second place in the championship ahead of EB Motors back into the ELMS. Marco Fretzer, number 80 car, nets him eighth place on the grid. So a look at Andrea Puccini, again on the ragged edge of adhesion around this tricky circuit. We'll be hearing from Matteo Cairoli very shortly as well for some reaction after that time. But a sterling performance there. Thomas Prining heading through the right-hander at turn 12 before plummeting downhill yet again. But Matteo Cairoli's number 77 car resplendent in the sunshine in the silver and black wrap and the sky blue door mirrors. There's Michelle Gatting, who's just 
stepped out of the 83 car and I'm sure being congratulated by her two teammates, Manuela, Manuela Gosner and Rahel Fry. That's all I could do, she said. Well, still good enough for sixth place and did, as Graham mentioned, net a place uh, on that final lap. It's high fives all down there. And still, the conversations go on about maybe them, where there may have been improvement around the lap. That can be discussed overnight. No improvement necessary for this man, though. Uh, Matteo Cairelli now joins Charlie George in the pit lane. Well, Matteo, congratulations. Another pole position for the Porsche and a nice way to end the season from pole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that was a really good lap. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I put everything together in the, in the first set with the first set of tyre. I was not able to improve in the sec with the second one. <clears throat> but I mean, the car was, uh, was a pleasure to drive, honestly. Um, you know, I'm saying all the time the same thing, but it's thanks to the team because every time the car fits me properly, how I, would, how I want all the time. So it's a big thanks to them that they are doing a big job all the time and, uh, and to the engineer, to the mechanics and to the, all the people around. Thank you, congratulations. Thank you. For the fourth time this year, Matteo Cairoli to start then from the sharp end of the GTE grid, despite carrying 20 kilos of success ballast. That's uh, also a thing this year in the this season, I should correct, uh, in the World Endurance Championship. And my understanding that uh, this sequence of or this uh, system of success ballast will continue into 2020 for the European Le Mans series as well. The self-balancing mechanism, if you like, to uh, even the fight up yet further. It hasn't held back Lucy Racing, but it has potentially uh, given us a, a one heck of a fight for second place oh, yeah. involving four cars. That can't all be uh, gifted to the success ballast, but it's probably helped along the way. Right, LMP3 time, and 13 cars are about to assemble then in the fast lane. A couple from United Autosports, a couple from Inter Europol competition as well. But what about this championship fight, Graham, which really did even itself up uh, at the end of Spa? And I'm pleased I was able to do some on-the-hoof mathematics in Belgium to say that we got two teams locked together on the same points. Car 11, Euro International on 94, and car 13 into Europol competition on 94. One race to win it. Excellent stuff. It's been, again, uh, LMP3 serving up real entertainment throughout. And we said this in the earlier qualifying session for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. It's going to be a farewell this weekend to these cars. Uh, new breed of LMP3s coming for 2020. They will get their first realistic uh, public outing, little semi-public outing in testing here at Portimao from Monday onwards, three of the four. Uh, the Ginetta at home testing in the UK, whilst the Ades, the Duquesne and the Ligier uh, have got one car apiece here. But, uh, we're going to miss the, the Norma. We're gonna, uh, the, gonna, that is going to be a brand, by the way, that uh, does leave us here, uh, with Duquesne taking over the mantle of that project. Uh, the, well, for a long time, all conquering Ligier JSP3. Not seen a Des for some time. We've not seen a Ginetta either in the LMS for some time. But of course, that was the car that won the very first uh, championship in 2015 in LMP3. And they've been faithful servants, as has the Nissan V8 engine, which goes uh, to history with the end of this uh, Gen 1 uh, LMP3. So new engine will be? Another Nissan. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a bigger, beefier Nissan. And, um, well... Uh, I had a little spy watching one of these cars uh, out doing something they're doing. We'll talk about that tomorrow, but significantly quicker, uh, the new breed of LMP3 than this 
current breed. And when I say significantly, I mean seconds quicker. Yes. Well, every reason, therefore, you can to get to an ELMS race next year to Le Mans, where these cars will run as part of the Road to Le Mans event, uh, to yeah, experience through every sense possible the new LMP3 car, because uh, if you've enjoyed the five-litre Nissan to this point, then maybe we're taking things on a step further. But all these cars on Michelin tyres, and... As I say, 13 of them entered. One or two to look out for. Certainly the top two in the championship. 33 points away from Euro International and into Europol competition are the family-run ultimate team, number 17, in cherry red and white colours. That car third in the championship on 61, but third is by no means secured because very close to them in fourth, the number two squad of United Autosports. That's Wayne Boyd, Garrett Grist and Tommy Erdos. There's the 11 car. Championship contention, of course, for the number 11 Euro International car. What a topsy-turvy year it's been for them. Say, by the way, as we saw the United car, of course, first winners of this championship with the Ligier. And the 19 M Racing Norma will be just a two-driver effort for Laura Milara and Luca Legere. Luca still just 18 years old. Laura Milara slightly older than that, I think it's fair to say, but they do gel very nicely in terms of a duo. And it's not always been that way, but uh, it really depends on when, where uh, Jan Erlacher is around the world, because he also dovetails an ELMS campaign with his world TCR duties. So cars starting to accelerate out of the pit lane. The 10 minutes have started to tick down. The first in the queue is the 17 of Mathieu Lehay. We have seen Jean-Baptiste Lehay qualify that car this season, but back to older brother Mathieu. 34 years old, younger brother 28, and their third driver is Francois Adio, who's the bronze-rated driver. You don't have to have a bronze in LMP3, but uh, some teams decide to go that way. The stipulation is that uh, you must have a, a silver-rated driver, in fact, in the combination. So out of the pit lane comes the number three car as well. Actually, I've misspoke there, haven't I? You do have to have a bronze, and then the others are effectively free. Uh, so one or two teams going with two bronzes and a silver, others with just the, the lone bronze and then maybe a silver and a gold to complete the lineup. It also means that it's very even across the race. Difficult to read at times because these cars will pit, well, if it's going to plan three times, because they can do an hour comfortably, four-hour race, so three pit stops, two of those pit stops have to be a certain length, i.e. not quicker than a set time. Your third stop, which doesn't have to be a third stop, could take it first if you want, but that can be as quick as you like. And because teams to approach that differently, strategically-wise, um, we get a kind of false reading until the final pit stops are made, and then the real race becomes very clear. Final two cars out on the track are the two championship contenders. The number 11 car cruises out with, uh, with Mikkel Jensen aboard. And the number 13 car uh, just saw being uh, taken off the jacks and held. Here they go. That will surely be Nigel Moore. The green and the yellow of the Europol competition. Nigel Moore confirmed at the wheel. The team of Poland, Nigel Moore, very much of Yorkshire. Could say, by the way, here with a lot of the family, because they're uh, they're actually here campaigning with their own team in one of the support races, with two of his sisters racing as well, including Formula W racer Sarah. So the Moore clan here in force. 
Mathieu Lahay then out first and wasting no time at all in, well, exploiting this very clear track because the next time around there may well be somebody in his way hampering his progress but this is going to be interesting to see how he gets on obviously on coolish tyres they're picking up temperature all the time very very durable both the Michelin and the Dunlop tyre in these in this race uh, it's a spec tyre for LMP3 made by the French company the Birmingham brand Dunlop uh, still present very much in GTE and then in LMP2 we have the the mixture and that's purely down to team preferences but great to have a true tyre battle in the fastest class as through the right-hander at turn 15 goes the entry from Oregon team the Italian squad of Damiano Fioravanti, Gustav Gridbergis and Lorenzo Bontempelli and at the wheel it is Fioravanti First offer is from Mathieu Lehay aboard the Ultimate uh, Norma, the number 17 car, a 1.40.007, but some early deletions of lap times from the 10 and the 8 that both go awry. That's uh, James Littlejohn in the uh, Nielsen Racing car. And the 10 car is the Oregon team car, Damiano Fiorenti uh, loses what had looked a pretty spicy time. Lucas Legere, meanwhile, Edges ahead, the M Racing car into the 39s, 139.913, just under a tenth clear of Mathieu Lahaye with just six minutes to go. This is a very quick fire session. Takes a fairly long time to do your outlap, two minutes basically, and then your faster times are in the 139.140 bracket. But yeah, ten minutes disappears so quickly here. The track nowhere near the length of Spa-Francorchamps where an extra two minutes are bolted onto the times. You may remember last month for qualifying. The usual ten-minute format for this event. Over the line goes the number seven car of Colin Noble and no time registered yet. So that was the outlap for the man from Edinburgh. And he'll now pick up the pace in the Norma. It's because he had the time deleted. That makes more sense. Yep. Okay. So had completed a fast lap, lap two, and it's taken away from him. Likewise, Demiano Fioravanti, as Graham's mentioned. Mikel Jensen to the top, it's Aligier, leads the session. 139.614 for the car in championship contention. But Mathieu Lahay fights back, and she's back. It's a 139.496 now. Now 139.493. Three thousandths of a second is the gap for pole. How many times this year have we seen I this? Say, I would be surprised by that, although Fioravanti's had that time taken away from him as well. So two laps completed, two deleted for Damiano Fioravanti. This is frustrating for the Italian, no doubt. And the gap's back up to a huge three-tenths of a second rather than three-thousandths of a second. Much, much tighter, though, second and third. So Luca Legere regains pole provisionally. Then a 139.4 for Mathieu Lahay in the red and white Ultimate car. David Drew for real team racing is third fastest. And then it's this man, Mikkel Jensen, for Euro International, currently fourth fastest with four minutes to go. So Lucas Legere, it is the number 19 car, 139.179. We're going to get into the 38s with this session. Waiting for Colin Noble to complete uh, a flying lap. He hasn't done so, so far. So one, two, three, four cars in the 139s at the moment. Through the left-hander at 14 goes Mikkel Jensen into Europol's time 
You could also see on the graphic, by the way, and uh, about 20 seconds further back down the track is Nigel Moore compared to Mikkel Jensen, who is streaming his way through turn 16, up the little rise and across the start-finish line, and Mikkel Jensen still fourth, so that wasn't an improvement. They were waiting for a, a flying time from Nigel Moore. We've not seen that yet. It's not going to be a pole position setting time. He pops up. Well, that wasn't him. So apologies. That was Colin Noble. Up he got into sixth. Next across the line, and we're aboard with him now is the number 13 car of Nigel Moore. We'll see how Nigel gets the speed out of this car. We can watch him do it now. He's going to go through and is into just eighth position for the moment. That's the, the banker, if you like, for Nigel Moore. David Drew to second fastest for Real Team Racing. So car number nine across the line. There it is coming through to, into turn one. 139.460 for David Drew. Switches around second and third positions. A nine ahead of the 17 now. Mikkel Jensen has improved his first sector time in pursuit of the front row of the grid in LMP3. Luca Legere of Switzerland leads David Drew in the number nine car then for Real Team Racing. David also Swiss and for a Swiss team, Real Team Racing. Noble joins the 39 club. He's up to fifth position now, 139.995. Again, timing screen with just two minutes left. Starts to light up with blue sectors. That's your eight. for a second, a little smidge more clear of David Drew who, if anybody, is going to be able to attack that. Well, losing out on opportunities here, and one or two perplexed looks down in the pit lane, staring at screens as Mikkel Jensen starts another lap, and there were a minute and 30, well, no, probably a minute and 40 left on the clock. This could well be Mikkel Jensen's final opportunity to improve. The man that will be most frustrated is going to be Fear of Anti. He's now put in a flying lap. It's only good enough for, for eighth at the moment, and I think he was forced into that position. But he's got the pace to be right up at the front, but he's thrown it away with track limits. Yeah. Nigel Moore hitting, so feels he can't do any more than this. The 14 car from Inter Europol competition will stay out, but car 13 calls it a day. 140.310 for the Yorkshireman then. And that's ninth on the grid. So at the moment, a better position for the championship rivals, Euro International, but it's not going to be pole. So at this stage, we're still going to have two teams locked together on 94 points. Matthias Besch waiting to uh, do battle, one would presume, in the LMP2 car, but into Europol. As the clock ticks down the final 30 seconds, here is Fioravanti. This is the number 10 Oregon team, Norma. Right, next car across the line will be Mikkel Jensen. No blue times, though, on this lap no. so far, so we're not seeing PBs from the young Dane, just 24 years old, sharing with Jens Pettersson, as he has done all season, and 10 seconds on the clock. This is going to be tight for Mikkel Jensen. Can he force an extra lap out of the session? Three seconds, two, one. I think this is going to be checkered flag for Euro International as they cross the line. Yep, Euro International. Pitt. In fact, um, no better than fourth, no better than third for ultimates. Colin Noble went through to start a further flying lap. Oregon, the 10 is pitted. 
So too does the, the Solo 360 racing car here, just one of their two cars here present this weekend. In sixth position for Ross Kaiser, can't be mentioned, but uh, was there in the middle order. Eight tenths off hold for Ross, another good qualifying performance. Well, it's uh, no stranger to Paul Times, Luca Legere, because on two separate occasions already this season, the young Swiss has taken uh, a pole position, Monza and Silverstone, so on a hat-trick coming here to Portimao. Colin Noble looks to have lifted off that. That uh, Look at the timing screen here, Johnny, tells the story that Damiano Ferreira will be disappointed with fastest first and third sectors of that session, but did not put it together with a lap that kept within track limits and the result of that was the Oregon team Norma starts from 8th and it's going to be Lucas Legeret on pole position and uh, yeah those personal bests or rather absolute bests most impressive and I assume uh, they were all within the track limits as well because he would have had times deleted otherwise so they are legal times so a 30.6 through sector 1 and a 36.2 through sector three. Didn't necessarily do them on the same lap, and that middle sector was the struggle for his Norma. Uh, Ligier looking relatively strong through the middle sector, though. Yep. And it is three Normas at the sharp end for M Racing, Real Team Racing, and Ultimate, but your international really not very far away, four and a bit tenths slower than Luca Legere's effort. Well, that uh, qualifying session does not make an impact on the point standings for the leading cars, other than withdrawing the opportunity for one of them to take advantage. So it's potentially even more tantalising now with two squads, as I say, on exactly the same points going into the final event and a, a very tight dice for third in the championship between Ultimate uh, United Autosports, both cars, in fact, and... Also, the Tony Wells and Colin Noble car, Nielsen Racing. So lots to be decided in LMP3, but the order that they will start tomorrow's race, which is a 12.30 start local time, and remember, the clocks go back tonight as well, so we'll need to adjust for that. M Racing take a, another pole position of the year, a third of 2019. Real Team Racing, the Swiss squad, second, and well done to David Drew. Third position and currently third in the championship, Ultimate in the number 17 car. Fourth position on the grid, number 11, Euro International, the best Ligier. Mikkel Jensen setting the time, joint championship leader. Fifth position for Colin Noble in the number seven, Nielsen Racing car. Sixth place, 360 racing, uh, eight tenths of a second slower for Ross Kaiser. And he completed that session quicker than Christian England for United Autosports. Damiano Fioravanti, despite showing speed, couldn't hook it up all together in the same lap. So car 10, Oregon, will start from eighth ahead of the other uh, Inter-Europol competition car, which is uh, currently leading the championship jointly with Euro International. Nigel Moore to start ninth ahead of Garrett Grist in 10th place. So tyre pressures will be checked. Other post-session um, checks by the team and also by the officials to be made too. But we will now turn the limelight towards the LMP2 entry, of which there are 18 cars to enjoy in a moment or two. But we should get some reaction, first of all, from the 10-minute LMP3 session. It's a third pole position of the year for Luca Legere of M Racing. And we now get an opportunity to hear his thoughts on that session with Charlie George. Well, Lucas, congratulations. Third pole of the season for M Racing. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, we have a super fast car and uh, I enjoy taking pole uh, again here at Portimao. It's, it's been an amazing day uh, so far. You guys aren't in the fight for the championship, but what are your hopes for the race tomorrow? Uh, we're hoping for the best. Uh, we never snatch a podium uh, in any races, so we hope uh, at least we can end the season uh, with a podium. Best of luck, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Has been one of those years, hasn't it, for the M Racing uh, team? It's not quite gone their way. They've had some very strong runs, but it's either misfortune of the contact variety or indeed the mechanical slash electrical variety just seems to have hit them just about at every single race meeting. So they'll be looking to finish this year on a high. Yeah, struggle just for consistency, really. Similar story to 2018 when they finished 10th in the championship with number 19. It was a different driver lineup on that occasion. Uh, but that's something to build on maybe over the winter period in terms of strategy in the race. And, I mean, there's not a lot you can do about bad luck. It just arrives for some people and doesn't for others. But uh, maybe just persistence is key for YMR, or M Racing as they're now called, Ivan Muller's team, essentially. The well, uh, multiple uh, ice racing champion and former British touring car champion, as well as uh, many other touring car titles, world titles, indeed. Well, right. well welcome to the strongest uh, LMP2 field anywhere in the world outside of the Le Mans 24 hours, Johnny. Absolutely. Once again, yes. for the sixth time this year. They have a uh, habit of doing this, don't they? It is a fabulous field of LMP2s, and it has produced some astonishing racing so far this season. And we get to do it all again tomorrow. One more time for 2019. And some stellar names as well, littering the entry. I think helped by the fact that the World Endurance Championship is now a winter season. So there's been this gap uh, in people's diaries, really, to find races to go to. And this influx of racing talent from around the world uh, into the ELMS, which is no bad thing. It is 18 cars, as Johnny Palmer quite rightly says. It is uh, it is 14 Orica chassis, including the one we're looking from the inside now, the Aris branded car. Could this be an historic uh, weekend for a Russian car brand? Three Ligiers and a single Dallara with the very welcome return as the Dragon Speed car sits so low at the end of pit lane, the number 21 car. Um, could this be, uh, this is a comeback for the Carlin, the Thunderhead Carlin, uh, efforts after Jack Manchester's huge accident at uh, Silverstone. They're back. It's a little sore, he tells me, but uh, the Delara is a brand new chassis for this weekend. They will carry on, by the way, with that car for a full effort in the Asian Le Mans series. That's what a couple of other teams here. Any decisions on the LMS next year for Carlin at this stage? Not heard that yet so okay. far. I was. Uh, Putting that one on my to-do list to sure. sit down with a cooling drink somewhere tropical with uh, Jack Manchester. <laughs> yeah, your to-do list, which is ever lengthening this weekend, <laughs> it always is, but the paddock is full of stories. Oh, cute. there's so much going on up there, it's it's ludicrous. We could stay a week yep. and not bottom this lot out. And some significant stuff going on as well in the world of endurance racing for teams, drivers, suppliers, you name it. There is a lot of news to come from here and elsewhere in the coming weeks, uh, including some very significant news early next week. Championship-wise in the here and now, uh, Jot van Outert and Roman Rusinov lead the championship, the drivers' standings, that is, on 93 points for their number 26 G-Drive racing outfit. Uh, where is Jean-Éric Verne, I hear you ask? Well, he missed the first two races of the season, so he's a number of points back, currently fourth, in fact, 
in the drivers' standings. But I'm sure, you know, if they win the title this weekend, John Eric Byrne will be invited to the party. Uh, yeah, they might, might you? Possibly so. No, um, John Eric, no party. That's what they say. 13 points, the deficit for Memo Rojas, uh, Paul Lafargue, and Paul Luchata. Uh, they're on 80 points for Edex Sport. It is essentially between those two teams. Although at this stage, mathematically, the 39 Graf car could still win the title. They are 25 points adrift, and there are 26 points on the table. So if G Drive win the point for Paul, that would put. Uh, Junio, Hershey and Gomondi out of the equation. Uh, but uh, that's a big ask because G-Drive haven't had it all their own way this season in terms of netting pole positions. They've had one, and that was at the very start of the year for Paul Ricard. Uh, a, a real spread of poles, though. Um, Edex Sport have had one. United Autosports last time out, they're number 22, the brand new 22 car, which is an Orica these days. The 21 Dragon Speed car has had a pole along with Cool Racing when Nicola Lapierre bagged it at Onza. Yep, all the drivers suiting up and being buttoned down. That's the RLR 43 car. Another new effort in LMP2 this year. We had a gaggle of those cars beginning to line up at the end of pit road. This is going to be a frenetic 10 minutes. Wheels, wheels aboard the 22 car. And final checks being made up and down the pit lane. The session due to go live, well, in the next uh, 15 seconds, in fact. Bubba Kirk, local hero, of course. 22 car, 28 Edex Sport car. There you go. There's a team that's hungry for success here and into next year. Green flag. Yeah, Philippe Albuquerque, um, Portuguese, as you say, but he couldn't really be much further from his home down here because he lives in the north of the country, so it's probably a good four or five hour drive home to Quimbra. Two abreast leaving the pit lane. Blimey, that's how important it was to try and get a good position. Careful not to cross the blend line, that solid white line which uh, determines the end of the pit lane versus the proper track. But so far, everyone, I think, kept the right side of that. So who's out there? Anders Fjord back joins the session, the number 20 high-class racing car. 21 is in the hands of Ben Hanley. 23, Panis Bartes, Will Stevens aboard the Orica from Panis Bartes. The sister, Ligier, is with Tim Bouret. Uh, Olivier Pla, we saw aboard the number 25, Algar Procar. Edex Sports go with William Cavallas in the 27, Ligier. I believe will be the last appearance of the team for that car. Uh, Paul Chatan is in the 28. Uh, uh, let's have a look. Philippe Albuquerque was in the 22. He's out there. 30 car, Duquesne, Nico Jama. And in Engvist in the second car from Algarve, the 31. 34, the inter-Europol car, Matthias Besch. Campana in the BHK 35 car. 37, cool racing, Nico Lapierre, as we might expect. Alexandra Coigno in the Graf Racing car number 39. RLR M Sports will be John Ferrano aboard that car. Um, Harry Tinkle takes out the 45 Carlin car. And which of the two that are missing? Alex Brundle is in the 32 car, the second Orica from uh, United Autosports. And we're still waiting, as we have done a couple of times this season, for the G-Drive racing car to emerge. Will that be Jean-Eric Verne? Will it be Jovan Utiet? Will it be Roman Rusinov? We'll have to wait and see. But the rest of them, 17 cars out on circuit as we wait for the 26 hours to emerge. One or two tweaks in drivers, but it's minuscule because Patrice Lafargue is back into the 27 car. It was Eric Maurice last time out. First time for a while. Yeah. yeah, it didn't do Barcelona either. I had just looked up the mm -hmm. races, actually, and I've instantly forgotten them. Uh, 
Patrice Lafarge did Ricard, did Monza, and did Silverstone. So the ones I haven't just listed there, I think, have been Eric Maurice instead, joining Stefan Adler and William Cavallas. It'll be Cavallas in for qualifying in that uh, gentleman entry, if you like, from EDEX Sport. And the 28 car is very much in contention for the overall championship. As climbing up the hill then goes the 21 Dragon Speed machine with Ben Hanley, the Mancunian, at the wheel. Oh, look, he's here. You know him, don't you? Yeah, it's, he used to be famous, you know. Is that right? Yeah. Quite small. Alan McNish. Welcome to Portimao. <laughs> uh, I'm, th I'm sure thoroughly enjoying some ELMS action. He will have witnessed the races at Silverstone. Not sure how much other opportunity he gets to see uh, the... Continental Championship, touring the world with the WEC. I think he came to Port Ricard. At the start of the year. he did. Yeah. I think he was there, at least briefly, before being shown off the premises. Didn't have the right pass. By Gerard Neveu. Yeah. Yeah. Over the line goes then the all-white car with the uh, central blue body stripe and the, uh, star, the white stars, which is, of course, a... a popular livery for Dragon Speed where they inverted that or made one car black and one car white didn't they earlier Still on the year no sign by the way with six and a half minutes to go of the Dragon Speed the uh, sorry G-Drive car top of the shot though Ben Hanley comes through with a 131-312 nine tenths clear of Nico Lapierre with Will Stevens tucked in just behind then Harry Tinkle fourth in Thalara uh, Olivier Plat Alexandra Quagno uh, that is your top six yeah how long do we leave the G-Drive car in the pit lane before that starts to become a concern? Because they are the championship leaders. Roman Rusinov's name is against car 26. I suspect the answer here is they are looking after tyres. They are looking after tyres for tomorrow and they will do a very short, very quick run if they possibly can. Uh, so I think we're going to see them about halfway here. That's risky because, very. well... <laughs> It's not risky in the sense that I get the tyres thing and you want to hold as many uh, fresh tyres back for the race as possible, but it might mean a midfield start and it's difficult to get all the cars cleanly through the first three right-handers in this place. Uh, and Portimao, I think partly because it's the end of the season and there are championships up for grabs, but it's no stranger to incident in the first few laps and there is an argument that you want to be as close to the front row as possible. The two United Auto Sports cars make their first stabs at this. Felipe Albuquerque goes to second place, 131.670 as the 35 car is off track. Johnny Palmer. That's Sergio Campana in the BHK motorsport machine. So that car has not lasted too long in the session at all. And Campana now being receiving some instructions. The 33-year-old Italian, who is the gold-rated driver, he shares that car with Francesco Draconi. In they come. Uh, the cars are going for one. Well, I just wonder whether or not they're just going to cut this session in half at G-Drive Racing. Still have not emerged, by the way, and we're beyond the halfway mark. Dragon Speed uh, into the pits for a change of tyres with Ben Hanley. Cool Racing for Lapierre is in. Panis Bartes with Stevens. Carlin with Tinkle. Plart and Alcala Pro is in. Paul of Chatham pits uh, for Edex Sport. Four minutes, 22 to go. Still no sign whatsoever of G-Drive Racing. Uh, other cars, by the way, with lap times deleted, including two of the Ligiers, the uh, Panis Bartes car 24, Tim Beret has lost a lap, therefore does not have a flying lap. Here comes the G-Drive car, four minutes to go in this session, and it is, who is aboard the car? It is Jean-Eric Verne. Thankfully, wherever Sergio Campana's car has come to a halt, he's got out of the car, 
And I don't think there was a need for yellow flags. If there were yellow flags shown, they were very brief indeed. And there is no need for anything as serious as a full course yellow or indeed a red flag. So this session can continue uninterrupted, at least for this stage. And, well, let's face it, Jean-Éric Verne, Formula E champion and uh, champion of other things as well. British Formula 3, if we go back far enough, uh, doesn't need more than a lap, frankly, does he? He, well, he needs an outlap to warm the tyres up. He'll give it one go. I wouldn't be surprised to see the car on the front on the front two rows, maybe. Job done, park it, and then you've got tyres for the race. Very nice down commentator's curse <laughs> on that one. Uh, three. Jeff will be making a beeline for me if that doesn't happen. With a baseball bat. Three minutes to go. And uh, with the most of the pitters now back on track, Ben Hanley is back out there, so is Albuquerque and Lapierre. They are the top three. The fourth and the fourth man inside the single second is Will Stevens. He leaves pit lane now, looking for improvements from the cars that have lost lap times earlier. They are then Timber Ray has not re-emerged the pits as yet. Also a tyre change for high-class racing. The Danish squad, although based pretty much the Barcelona circuit, that's the reason for that paint scheme this year, the yellow, red and black. Oh, a little bit off-track moment there for... This is the outsider. 25 points of drift car, 39 in the championship, but uh, don't discount it just yet, the Graf car. That was just on his outlap, though, so that will not be a problem. He wouldn't get that lap score, but it wouldn't have really scored anyway. Alexandre Cugnot, the man we speak of, but yes, good point, and that's an indication of how cold these tyres are as they're bolted to the cars. Chadwick Verne, meanwhile, is coming through to complete, uh, to get onto his first flying lap, and he needs a clear one. Quite right, by the way, that lap was deleted for car 39, but it was his out lap anyway. So where is Verne going to pop up? Nicolas Lapierre over the slight rise with the rotunda to his left, downhill into the braking for turn six, and now crucial to get good uh, acceleration, which Lapierre doesn't really get because he was sideways that then. Looked tight for track limits as well yeah. uh, of the exit there. Dragon speed, meanwhile, Ben Hanley goes through with a purple sector in sector one, and for comparison, that is a full half second quicker than the first offer from Jean-Luc Verne uh, on his first chance at a flying lap. Keep an eye on Ben Hanley as well, but Jean-Éric Verne, yeah, uh, finally joining the session and, as you said, treating it as a half session, effectively. He's going to get two goes at this, he's going to get two flying laps as Jean-Éric Verne. Here he is, aboard the Arras with the rapid Jean-Éric Verne, 26 car. So now heading through turn 16, the 29-year-old Frenchman, platinum-rated by the FIA and Jean-Éric Verne goes to sixth position with his first effort. One more throw the dice here for Jean-Éric Verne and I'm sure that'll be top five. Any better than that, we'll wait and see. Some rapid times coming here watching for Ben Hanley goes through with a 131-340. Doesn't quite match his best time. It's going to be an improvement here from Philippe Albuquerque. So we've got trouble out on track between the Inter-Europol cars. Cool? No, it's one of the APR cars. And what happened here? So 34 was one of them. And oh, that was way too hot. 31 um, looked to be much, much slower than the racing speed, almost as if car 31 was trying to buy a bit of track space there. I'd like to see that again, to be sure, but it was Henning Enqvist who uh, had some contact there with the 34 car of Matthias Besch. Uh, Phil Pelbercourt goes to the top right at the end of the session. 
68 thousandths of a second, the 22 car, United Autosports, and the Portuguese driver comes through. So that incident has not affected his time. That may well have stolen it. He has stolen it from Philippe Albert, uh, from uh, Ben Hanley. Will Stevens improves as well. He goes to third ahead of Nicolas Lapierre. And it's a double winner for Albuquerque because not only has he got the fastest time, he's also managed to get an extra lap out of the session. So he'll be the last car to see the chequered flag just exiting turn six now. I think that delays Jean-Eric Venn. Another car sideways on the track, which is Alexandre Cugnot. And this was a lap that counted. He ran wide at turn one a few moments ago, which was his out lap. But that is coming through turn 16, the last corner on the track. It'd been a good lap oh, up until that point. And that's a huge lose. We had a car ending up in the pit lane a few seasons ago there. But yes, caught the curb at the right, very uh, worst possible moment. The car is on the ragged edge anyway. And all it needs is a slight imbalance and a cloud of smoke. And thankfully, just off the racing line, that car now pits. Alex Brundle fourth across the line to complete the session. So it's first and fourth for United Autosports. What about Paul-Luc Chatin? This is his final opportunity to improve on eighth place, and Paul-Luc Chatin fifth. goes to fifth place. So the Frenchman putting in a good effort there. His time, 132.067, and does give him a top five finish and ensures that Jean-Éric Verne doesn't get a top five. It's eighth place for the championship leaders. And what about Philippe Albuquerque? Well, he's done enough. And to the tune of 68 thousandths of a second... Timed it beautifully. ...gets pole position. Well, and he'll be delighted with that. Johnny Verne was already out the car before uh, Philippe Albuquerque came in. That was, that was always going to be a one-shot deal, wasn't it? it? It seems so. And maybe everyone knows about the, the wear on tyres that this place has. Really, you've got one lap regardless of whether you're using Dunlops or Michelin's this year. But a, a, a superb performance once again from Philippe Albuquerque, winner here last year with Phil Hansen. And we shouldn't forget that the, the two as a partnership are very, very strong around the Algarve International Circuit. But that was a frightening moment for Alexandre Cugnot, who drives the 39 graph car. And would have rooted that set of tyres. Yeah. yeah, and who knows where that would have put him on the grid had it been a, a successfully completed lap. In the end, 39-11, and they are 25 points adrift. Now, has the point that goes for pole position, that won't have shaken up the, the, the top end of the driver's standings. No. What it does do is take United Autosports to 53 points, but the top three remain the same. So G-Drive Racing, 93, Edexport, 80, and Graf on 68. Here's the times in that session, 131.244 for United Autosports. Well done to local hero, Philippe Albuquerque, by 68 thousandths of a second quicker than Ben Hanley for Dragon Speed, who finished second, ahead of Will Stevens for Palace Bartes Competition, third, Alex Brundle, United Autosports, fourth, Paul-Luc Chatin, Edexport, fifth, and then Nicolas Lapierre with a pole position earlier on in the year, but it's sixth place for the Frenchman for the Swiss squad. And then seventh, Duquesne Engineering, eighth position, G-Drive Racing, ninth place, Carlin, and in tenth position, Algarve, Algarve Pro Racing. Again, a very much a local team with two cars here this weekend. They're very much a local team, know this place very well indeed. So close at the top. For a couple of those uh, drivers, though, it didn't really quite get together as a session, did it? And two cars, by the way, not having posted a flying lap on uh, in that session for a couple of reasons. Tim Bouret and Matthias Besch. We saw Besch involved in that brush with 
Was that Bouray? He uh, hit. No, that was Algar Pro, wasn't it? Was it Enquist? I had it down as yeah, Enquist and Matthias Besh. But yeah, Tim Bouray not able to set a time. Now it's my understanding that if an LMP2 doesn't set a time, they can normally take a position on the grid at the back of the LMP2s. Yeah, I think that's going to be down to the stewards to decide. Um, but because in the WEC, more recently, we've seen cars start from the pit lane and a lap down if they've not offered a time in qualifying. But in that case, uh, in the case of the Genetta, for instance, that was because there were two issues, not one. It was right. not just that they hadn't put a qualifying time in. There was also a technical problem which meant effectively they got double bubble trouble. Well, the answer really will be when the grid is issued, which uh, may be tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, but we'll find out where the 24 and the 34 start from. I have no doubt that they will be permitted to start. Uh, just depends where from. But the 22 car looking glorious. This is now an Orica, started the season as a Ligier, remember, but kind of been unstoppable in the second portion of the year. Gives them another point, so they move forward now to 55 for Phil Hansen. And that will keep them in fourth in the championship, but certainly in the hunt for a third-place finish in the team's championship at the end of a six-race season. So well done to United Autosports. Uh, and, as I said, victorious here 12 months ago, off the back of a win at Spa at the time, and now take victory, uh, or take uh, pole position, I should say, and possibly victory tomorrow. We will have to wait and see. But the weather is potentially a little bit iffy by the time we get to late in the day, and a four-hour race can always deliver maybe a tweak in the weather. Just a shower would make things very interesting indeed. The man of the moment is no doubt Philippe Albuquerque. Let's hear from him now from Charlie George. Well, Philippe, you're very popular down here with all the photographers. I'm guessing if you had to choose somewhere to have a pole position this season, it would be at Portimao. Definitely in such a tricky, tricky track with blind corners. Um, the first lap was nothing special because I got some traffic. And then the second lap, I was way quicker. And then I got to see just two LMP2s in the last corners. I was a bit afraid, come on, not now. And especially because Van Andley did a mega lap. So to do that, it would be very hard. But uh, I did all the last corner on the outside, but still enough for P1, but so marginal. But uh, yeah, I'm super happy about pole position. And uh, the people of uh, Portugal and Coimbra came over to support me. So it's, it's, a, it's a great gift for them. And uh, obviously, I'm thrilled about the pole position. You managed to get the job done here last year. Are we going to do it again now? Obviously, that's uh, what we aim for. But the beauty about uh, endurance racing is exactly that. You can have a good pace, but in a four-hour race, it means nothing. So we need to be away of uh, eventual traffic and incidents. Maybe the weather, sometime tomorrow will be some rain. Again, we need to stay cool. It's a good starting point. And uh, we have a really fast car, especially in the long run, which we tried this morning. So. We have all the ingredients to go for the win, but it's never sure. Good luck. Thank you very much. Well, that's now two, two poles in a row for 2019. Can it be two wins in a row, having taken victory at Spa-Francorchamps? Uh, well, let's wait and see. It's always good to see a happy, happy Philippe Albuquerque. It's uh, usually a happy Philippe Albuquerque mm -hmm. that seems happier still with his new car underneath them with himself and his partner in racing crimes, usually of the fast variety, Phil Hansen. Yeah, absolutely right. And, uh, of course, they're uh, also strapped in for a full WEC campaign this year, too. Exciting times at United Autosports. Again, ending the, sea, the season very strongly indeed. Where will they finish in the championship? And who will win the ELMS in the two remaining categories? There are still three automatic entries at Le Mans up for grabs. Join us tomorrow, then. It's a 
12.30 start, but we'll be on air at 12.10 local time for all the build-up from Graham Goodwin and from Johnny Palmer. Be sure to join us tomorrow. Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.